This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, His name is Austin Bellick. And Austin, he's just one of these people who is really great at his craft and especially becoming a master in both coaching and really creating his own career coaching business while working a full-time job at Microsoft, which is just unheard of and, and absolutely amazing. So in this episode, you're going to hear directly from Austin about how he created his coaching business over the years, but really developed this path towards mastery from his own experience in becoming a coach and really um, developing his own strategy and applying for, for jobs and how he got clients results there. But even the years that it took in really developing his SEO, his LinkedIn strategy, and now his Instagram strategy in developing his business and, and ultimately creating an audience. So in this episode, again, Austin's just amazing. He's super cool, down to earth, but more so you're going to hear how somebody starts their journey and becomes a master at career coaching and ultimately building an audience. So enjoy this episode with Austin Billick. Present day, I do two things. I work full-time at Microsoft. I've been there for about five years and I work on the partnerships team in their advertising group. So I'm essentially looking to create partnerships with companies who can resell and promote Microsoft's products. And that's been an absolute blast. So on the other side, outside of my nine to five, I run a site called cultivatedculture.com that basically aims to teach people how to be more effective job seekers. And my whole deal, my whole ethos is teaching people how to land jobs they love without applying online and without traditional experience. And that tagline and that approach really stems from my personal experience job searching. So just to wrap up the story in a nutshell, I graduated from college with a biology degree, a 2.58 GPA, you know, super poor grades and a job that just kind of fell in my lap. My roommate's dad just set me up. I didn't apply anywhere. I didn't interview anywhere. It ended up being a total nightmare and I was miserable. So I I knew I had to make a change and I set my sights high. I set my sights on Google or Microsoft or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And and I kind of got slapped in the face with that goal initially, but I went and did all the stuff that everybody tells us to do, right? I went and applied online. I tweaked my resume, my cover letter, and none of that worked. So I had to find a, a different approach. And that came through a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation, a lot of steps outside of my comfort zone. And essentially what I did was I went out, I created a list for my dream job criteria and I went out and found people who had already met those criteria. And we can talk about this more if you'd like, Mm -hmm. but I found people who essentially had already done what I wanted to do. And I talked to them, I built relationships with them and I learned how they did it themselves. And then I sort of took those common threads and those learnings and I created my own system 
that, that I eventually used to get in the door with Microsoft and Google and Twitter. And so once I got in the door with Microsoft, a bunch of people from college originally came up to me and said, you know, weren't you the guy with terrible grades? You never applied <laughs> anywhere. Like, you know, how the heck did you get to Microsoft? So yeah. after 20 of those people hit me up, I was like, all right, guys, enough, enough. Like, I'll write this blog post for you. And that's exactly what I did. I dumped everything into a blog post and it kind of took off from there. And so now I've been running Cultivated Culture for about four years, and I've had the super unique and awesome opportunity to extrapolate that system and test it across a wide range of industries, a wide range of candidates and job seekers from, you know, new grads all the way up to the C-level. And Mm -hmm. it's just been a lot of fun, and we've seen some really great results. So we have about a total of about 400 plus thousand people in the community right now. And, you know, we've had many, many more come through the doors and we've helped them land at, you know, pretty much any company that you can think of. So it's been really gratifying. It's been a fun ride and I am excited to share a little bit more about it with you. I'm really curious to get down in that space because right before we hit the record button, I was telling you that so much of what I've been talking to a lot of my clients, but really where I think a lot of really this, the future of how we're going to navigate change and really help clients really comes down to how are you going to get past these gaps and how are you going to navigate building relationships really in a digital fashion because of the COVID at the time, but more so remote work is becoming a little bit more prevalent. So, but I think one of the funniest things though, is I had the same kind of experience when I graduated college, but I usually talk about as I had a two by four come and hit me in the face <laughs> where I had like all of these things. I'm like, I believe that I'm going to graduate from college. There's going to be these lines of people that are going to be like, yeah, we love to hire you and all those kinds of things. And as many of us know, it never kind of materializes like that. So I think so much of the following that you have and based on like just be able to build those relationships to do that type of reach out is incredibly valuable, but super unique in the space. So kind of, you mentioned having those people, those 20 people coming to you and and even more, why don't you want to become a coach in the first place? That's actually a great question because I think that something that's really misunderstood right now is this idea of passion. (laughs) So if I told you that when I started this business, I was doing it because I was deeply passionate about helping other people land jobs, that would be a lie. That would just be not true. So for me, my goal had always been to have something of my own. So my dad was an entrepreneur when I was younger, and I would see that he was working out of the house before it was cool. And he was coming to soccer games and he had you know, flexibility over his time. And then on top of that, he wasn't playing by these rules. I would hear my mom worked in finance and that is a very traditional and structured environment. And she would come home and I would hear about these things where, you know, oh, well, my manager said that, you know, this is happening and we just have to put up with it. So for me, I was like, I don't want to ever be in a situation where I'm sort of forced to do something because it's what management says. You know, I'd rather deal with challenges of entrepreneurship than the the challenges and structure of the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. And a lot has changed. And I've learned a lot since I, I had that initial thought, you know, working at Microsoft has been amazing. And obviously they let me do this on the side and they've been really innovative. And I think that's been reflected in the stock price and everything else that's happened. But I started the business because I wanted to have something that was my own. And also living in New York, you know, any extra money you can make is always good to have. So I saw this as an opportunity to start that business. I had tried to start many other businesses in the past. I tried to start apparel companies. I tried to start a couple of apps. I've tried to start, you know, all these different things. I think I had four or five businesses that that ended up falling flat on their face. And 
I was just looking for the next idea. And this one seemed to be something that that could work. And it ended up being the one that worked. What I would say is that now I am super passionate about helping people land jobs. But Mm. the reason I am is because I've been able to put this out there and I've been able to see those results. So initially it started out as, hey, here's a way for me to make some extra money. Here's a potential path to growing a company and a brand. And then I started getting these emails from people, which, you know, it sounds obvious, like, oh, you become a career coach and you give job search advice, people get jobs and they let you know. But that honestly wasn't even something that crossed my mind at the beginning. And then these people start emailing me and they tell me like, wow, you, I couldn't afford rent last month and now I can because I got this new job. Or, you know, I got this raise and I'm able to pay for my whole family to, you know, move into a new apartment or take them on vacation or like these amazing stories, even just like I got out of a crappy situation, a toxic situation. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is actually like really impacting people's lives. And so that's where the passion came into play it's hard to know what you're passionate about until you start doing it. I think what happens is you see an opportunity and you need to have that strong why. I think if you're just in this because, you know, my why was creating my own business. But if my why was literally like, I just want to have, you know, an extra thousand bucks a month, you know, for some Mm -hmm. people that could work. But for most of us, the dollars alone isn't going to cut all of the or isn't going to help you push through all of the stuff that is required to launch a successful business, right? Like it's not, Hey, I'll start a career coaching business. And then you just start making money, right? There are obstacles and there are issues and there are tough situations and you need a why to get through that. There's a lot of research that shows that people with a strong why are much, uh, are able to push through obstacles, you know, much more, much faster, but also they're just able to persist much better. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was starting the business for anybody listening. I would just take a second to think about why am I getting into your coaching? If it is to help people get jobs, that's a fantastic why. If it is because you want some freedom and you want to move on from your business, that's a fantastic why, but you need that initial reason to jump into something, whether it's career coaching or anything else, if you want to be successful. Yeah. Completely echo it because there. And there's tons of research out there, like, like you said, but passion follows, right? I think mm-hmm. most of us, we could talk about the passion trap, but that, that's been talked about on this podcast and lots of other podcasts, but more so it's really starting with that why, like you mentioned, and you know, the people that I talk to, but even the people who are listening to this podcast, getting even deeper than the levels of why I also grew up in an entrepreneur family. What did your dad do, by the way? He worked in the chemical industrial side of things. So he ended up selling manufacturing and selling pumps oh, so cool. for like sewage treatment plants and stuff like that. So a very, very foreign place and industry to me. And I think a lot of people, but um, yeah, it worked for him. In my family business, we had a trash hauling business. So we had the giant hole in the ground and all the trash trucks. We worked most holidays except Christmas and New Year's, but mm-hmm. just the same familiarity with being able to you know, dictate your own time when you work and how you work. And, you know, sometimes that can be different for different businesses or depending on the business that you run or whatever that might be. But I think that coming back to the why of it, but more so of running a business is really hard. Running a coaching business is even harder and insert any other business. So I think coming back to the why gets you through those pits, those pits and the peaks as we call them that happen in your career, but more so it really helps to then connect with other people in the same space. Because a lot of us who are getting into here, or at least a lot of people that I imagine you find are wanting to help people. We all want to help people. But when you are buried in emails or when you're like looking at stuff, you want to always get deeper than that. So I always like to challenge people. All right, what's knowing the why, but how can we get really deeper into that? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something too that I think is incredibly invaluable for everyone listening today is that 
you're doing this business on top of a full-time job right now. So talk to us a little bit about that because usually I talk to people about when they have made the leap, but I'm super curious for you of running this business, but also working a full-time job. For sure. So it's been a really interesting transformation. When I first started, I actually did the entire site under a pen name. So I actually think I reached out to Scott when I still had that pen name. And I think I sent him an email that was like, hey, I use this alternate name, blah, 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 blah. And he responded to me, which is crazy. And, and just a, a show <laughs> right? you know, that he has and the type of guy he is, which is an awesome, awesome guy. But I was terrified. And eventually it came to pass that one of my articles, I told my manager, I said, hey, do you mind if I do a side project? I didn't say what it was. I didn't give any details. She said, yes. I still kept it under the fake name. And then eventually I decided to move it to my real name. And then a couple months down the line, the site had really grown. This was about, you know, it happened over the span of a year. And I got this feature in Business Insider and one of the people at work posted it on LinkedIn. And I hadn't told anybody that I was doing this. So I freaked out. I like got to the office, everybody was trying to talk to me about it. And I like locked myself in a conference room because I was like, my manager doesn't even know, like this could be a terrible look. Anyways, it ended up being fine. And Microsoft ended up being very supportive. And my whole thing for my whole career was I need to start a business so I can get out of the corporate environment as quickly as possible. And it was this weird thing when the corporate environment that I was in came back and said, no, this is, this is cool. This is fine. Like keep doing it as long as your work here is, is good. And I will say, hands down, that that is like a 1% situation. Like mm-hmm. most people will not have that and shouldn't necessarily bank on that. But given that opportunity, I realized that I could make some longer term investments in the business while having the security of my full-time job as long as I could sort of handle both. And so I've been working on Cultivated Culture and I've been working at Microsoft. I've been doing that side by side for four years now. And it's been amazing because... I think one of the biggest traps that people fall into as entrepreneurs is, you know, many people create businesses out of necessity. They need to get out of a toxic environment or, you know, they can't stand where they work or they're treated like crap. And it's much harder to to take the approach that I took when you're in that situation. So I would not fault anybody for making the jump. But I think what's really hard is when every decision you make is around where your next dollar is coming from. So when I started my business, I was able to do a lot of stuff that wasn't profitable, maybe the opposite of profitable to set this foundation. And I would say that, you know, things grew slowly at the beginning, but I was setting the stage so that things would grow exponentially down the road. And that's now been the case. So this is four years in the making. And so I don't want anybody to go to my LinkedIn profile or hear this conversation and think like, wow, Austin just like started up this coaching business. Like, I spent three years building up my website and then I got on LinkedIn and the posts, I I saw a lot of growth on LinkedIn. I've gone from zero to 350,000 followers in about a year and a half. And that isn't because, you know, I just got on LinkedIn one day. It's because I had two plus years of practice writing all these ideas down in blog posts, talking to job seekers, coaching them one-on-one. The ideas were a lot more refined in my head. And then I got on LinkedIn and I started sharing them. Um, And so What I'm getting at is, you know, if you're able to start your coaching business while working full time, I cannot recommend that enough. I wholeheartedly recommend it because it just allows you to test and it allows you to make mistakes and it allows you to fail without actually suffering any major consequences. You know, it's very different when this is now your source of income. And I think what a lot of people will find is when they leave their full time jobs, 
there are a lot of bills and there are a lot of ad administrative tasks and stuff that you probably never even thought of that are going to creep into the mix. And, you know, you think you're ready to leave at this level and then you go talk to your accountant and you realize, oh shit, I need, <laughs> but you know, I need to get 20% higher than where I am if I really want this to be sustainable. So for me, working at Microsoft and having that environment, I've been super lucky to be in that environment. And so the reason I've stayed doing both for so long is simply because it's created an amazing space to be working at an awesome company like Microsoft with great people, but also allowing me to take some larger risks and make long-term bets in my side business, which have you know finally now started to pay off as expected a couple of years down the road. I think it's interesting too, because it's the same, same thing that... that... When I talk to people, it's depending on where they are of if they're wanting to come out of that, that whole situation and where it's not great working environment, they're like, I just need to be an entrepreneur and run my own stuff because I'm really tired about being here. And like, I need to be making money now. And I know like um, I was reading a book, um, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. And it was the same. She's saying something similar, but in the writing sense of if you have to put all this pressure on being a coach, it's going to shape your decisions so much and how you view yourself. And I know that we were talking right before we hit record too about kind of the psychological mindsets of working for yourself or owning your own business. But for many people who are transitioning out of a full-time job to then working for themselves and or owning their business or going out with a parachute, whatever that might be, it's a whole mind shift change. And it's a whole working for yourself, working from home, working and like, you know, someone in the coaching business, people come to you because they are believing that you know what to do. And mm -hmm. so you have to instill that level of trust in those people too. And I think making that leap from, from wherever you are or doing that, doing that way of being very risk averse is super important. But I think people also forget about the mindset changes too. Yeah, those are massive because I think one of the big things people don't think about it, it's like the devil you know, right? Like you know what the issues are at work. But what I've come to find time and again with entrepreneurship, and, and I haven't, you know, haven't even left my job yet. Like <laughs> there are so many things that come up that you haven't thought about. And it just takes time to work through them. So at one point I got fascinated with, you know, what is the timeline? for businesses to be successful? Like what's the average? And so I went out there and I did some research and I looked at people who were really good at this stuff and who have, you know, a huge following. They have businesses that are, you know, eight figure businesses, whatever it is. And consistently the number was right in the ballpark of two and a half to three years. What these people would say is you're basically going to invest just like we talked about. You're going to invest in a lot of things that don't make money for the first year or two. And sure, you may make revenue, but for the most part, you're going to be reinvesting that or that's going to go to expenses or whatever. And it's really around year two and a half, year three, where stuff starts to click and you start to get to profitability and it really starts to make sense. Now, we're starting from scratch in that scenario and we're assuming, you know, there, there isn't already some sort of foundation in place. Have people done it faster? Absolutely. And those people tend to end up on folks testimonial pages and whatnot, you know, from zero to 20k a month in six in six months or whatever it is. And those people exist. But I think what happens is we look at those people and we say, oh, you know, that's that's the expectation when really that's more of the exception to the rule than the rule itself. So what I would be saying to anybody who's starting a coaching business is, you know, if you haven't really built a following. So for me, 
I ramped up my pricing and I ramped up my revenue pretty quickly. Um, but I had two and a half years of writing already done. And I had a platform already when I started to do coaching. And so I don't think many people would have already had, you know, 40,000 visitors coming to their site every month. And, you know, a, a following of at that time, 20 to 30,000 people on LinkedIn. And if you do, maybe you can expect similar results. But if you're starting from scratch, I think it's important to set the expectations that this isn't going to be something that in six months time, you're probably going to be leaving your job. Like you're going to probably be in this for a longer haul. And just knowing that up front, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but that's just the expectation that you should set for yourself. And also I would say that the biggest thing is when you're working through your process, little layers every day beat the eight hour marathon on Saturdays twice a month. You know, I don't know anybody who's grown a successful coaching business or business in general, who's worked, you know, three, eight hour let's even say three 16 hour days a month. It's the people who put in 30 minutes, 45 minutes a day, every single day are the ones who it's compounding interest. Like every day you're adding, you know, a penny to the bank account and slowly over time, those returns are going to come in. So I think it's really important to set expectations for people who are thinking about just diving into this head first, but the best way to accelerate your results is to work with people who have done it before, you know, like you guys, and that way you can avoid some of the pitfalls and you can dial into some of the stuff that's worked you're essentially paying to get the knowledge that that you gain through that experience. So if there is a way to fast track it, and this is true with career coaching or anything else you want to do, go find those people who have achieved what you want to achieve. Maybe you trade some time, some of your money for their time. Maybe they're willing to mentor you, but that is the best way to speed it up. But even then you're still looking at it at a decent timeline to get this thing up to a point where, you know, you probably have it in your head. All this stuff. I often talk about mic drop moments on this podcast, but that was definitely one of them. And the whole feeling I was feeling when you're talking that whole time, I was like, man, I'm so glad that we have you as a guest on this podcast because that's exactly, exactly the truth. And I want to come back and talk about that process. And that's why we set up this whole podcast is you can hear people who are actually going through this and doing it successfully. And you should be following these people and learning from them. And Tony Robbins often talks about that. Look at the successful people who are doing it and see what they're doing. Figure out what that was. And I think you're right where a lot of, or where I talk about a lot of the danger is where we compare our step zero to their step 11. And we go, oh man, like, but Austin's got like 400,000 followers. And I'm just, I just, I'm doing the same kind of posts he's doing. I'm doing all these things. And I've only got like three, like, <laughs> and I've been working for three freaking months. I know it takes time, but come on, I'm doing the same thing he's doing. Why am I not moving faster? And I think something just for our listeners to know is that, the two years of talking with your target market, really learning things about them, putting out content to see what worked and what didn't work and repeat and rinse and repeat again and again and again. That's exactly what helps build that type of following because you know exactly what they're looking for and you know how to speak to them and then they know how to speak to you. And I think that cannot go undersaid because I think it's incredibly important. But I guess one of the questions that... I love to ask on this podcast, it's becoming my new favorite question, is what's been the hardest thing in opening up your own coaching business and becoming a coach? But even a deeper question or is, uh, what are the things that you've had to sacrifice in opening up your own coaching business? I'd say that the, the toughest thing has just been the need to lay the groundwork. Like The reason I'm saying all this stuff is because that was the stuff that I wasn't prepared for when I went into the coaching business. So like leading up to LinkedIn, 
like when I got on LinkedIn, like my following exploded and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying that, you know, to my own horn, that is like solely a product of all of the failures that came before it, which are roughly two and a half years, three years worth of failures. And those failures, like before that, one of the hardest things in marketing is that there are so many things that you can do and you can spend your money on. So somebody's telling you, you know, you need a, a fast website that looks awesome. Somebody else is telling you you need SEO. Somebody else is saying Facebook ads. Somebody else yep. is telling you Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube or any of the uh, of the social channels. Do a podcast. One of the, I tried all of those things. Initially, what I realized was that a lot of them didn't work for me. So I tried Facebook ads, but then nobody tells you that if you actually go to a Facebook ads expert and you say, hey, I have a budget and I will pay you to optimize my ads, they'll tell you that you probably need a minimum of five grand, maybe 10 grand to really test and optimize to the point where things are humming along. So at this point, are you willing to pay somebody 10 grand in, or are you willing to pay Facebook 10 grand in ad spend plus the management fee for that person to get to a point where your ads are running? I don't know. If you are, that's great for you and you could do that. I was not in that place. And then you find out little nuances about all these different channels and some of them just don't work for your business and some of them do. I know career coaches who have amazing YouTube channels and they generate all their business through that. I know people on Instagram. I know people who have the website. So it's all about what's finding what's right for you and what makes sense. But also through those failures, you, you gain insights, right? And so I think that if you had a thousand career coaches starting businesses, maybe five of them would hit the right channel the first time and would take off. But those would be the testimonials, right? Like that's what would be on my site because that's what sells. But you don't hear about the other 995 who are still kind of slogging through everything. So what I would say is, you know, what eventually ended up changing the course of my business is I basically took this approach called focus, which is, you know, follow one course until success. I don't know if you've heard. I've that. never heard that, but I'm going to start using that now. <laughs> it's great. I got it from, uh, I don't know if you know, John Lee Dumas, he has the yeah. you know, fire podcast, but he mentioned it a lot. I haven't listened to that podcast in a while. It's kind of older, but I, that acronym always stuck with me. And when I was in this crisis of like, I feel like I'm trying to do everything and I'm, I have a hundred percent of my time and I'm only able to put in a hundred percent of my effort and I'm only able to put in five to 10% in each channel. And that's why I'm not getting results. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to do what JLD told me and I'm going to focus. And so I wiped everything off the table and I focused on one channel, which was SEO. And it took me about two years to feel like I'd quote mastered that channel and was getting the results I wanted. And that's when I layered on LinkedIn and I've been on LinkedIn for a year and a half now. And I finally gotten to the point where I feel like I'm in a good place on that channel. And then now we just expanded to Instagram and that will be our new channel. But what I found is that one, when you wipe everything away and you focus on one channel that you feel like is working, it's okay to test at the beginning. But when you find something and by working, there's two sides to working. One is that it's getting the results, but two, you actually enjoy doing it. I know a lot of people who have channels that do all right, but they just hate doing it. And you're never going to be able to build a business if you're the main way that you're growing is through something that you absolutely hate doing. So there has to be a, a little bit of both there. But once you find that and it's sort of starting to work, you just quadruple down on that and go super deep. And what I found is that it, it takes a long time. I would say six to eight months, you could probably fast track it. And that's not to say you can make a lot of ground and you can set up a strong you know, business and get some leads going at the end of six to eight months. You're probably going to run into some challenges and stuff. But 
for me, it's been a bit more, it's been closer to like a year, year and a half to really master a channel. But when I get to that point of mastery, you know, the results are really, really solid. So what I would recommend and, and sort of, you know, what, what was the hardest for me was, you know, it's easy to look back and say, oh yeah, just, you know, I'm telling you guys, yeah, just go fail for a year and then you'll create your coaching business. You know, that's easy for me to say sitting here. It wasn't so easy to actually go through it. And then in terms of sacrifice, it's really time and energy. I mean, coaching people is a huge investment and in so many ways, like, especially with career coaching, you know, it's one thing to coach people on how to start a business. Because for me, I feel like starting a business for the most part, if people are hiring a coach to help them start a business, they're probably in a decent spot in life, you know, and things are going well enough that they can pay somebody to help them start this business, which is, you know, most people don't just wake up and start a business and that's their livelihood. Like we usually have something else, Mm -hmm. but career coaching, you know, the vast majority of folks out there rely on their careers for everything, right. For putting food on the table, for, you know, being able to buy their significant other a birthday present to send their kids to school and feed them like all that stuff we depend on our careers for and these people are depending on you for their career so that is something that will you know come into play and that's something to your point that's the mindset that you kind of have to get into you know you definitely what i found is that i thought oh well i'll charge you know x dollars an hour and that'll be it i'll get on the call we'll do the call and that'll be it you know that is not true I would actually probably take whatever time you think you're going to invest and I would multiply it by three to five X. And that's probably what you're looking at with each client because you're going to get emails. They're going to have questions, you know, situations are going to come up. You know, I had to, in order to help these people get the results that I had promised them and that I felt like, you know, they deserved, I had to sacrifice some stuff on my side because I had to invest that extra time. And that's what I had committed to. So I would just be aware that, you know, this isn't something that you're just going to show up on a call and it's going to be one hour and you kind of wipe your hands and you walk away. This is truly like a significant investment of your time and your mental state and energy, but it can be super, super rewarding. If you get, you know, my, the best feeling is when you get clients who totally become just a student of the process and they go out and execute it and they get results and they're like over the moon and you're just like, oh my God, like this, this person, like took the advice, they executed it and they got results. And now like you sort of like unlocked or opened the next door for them. Like they can do that for the rest of their life. They can take all these things that they learned. And it's just so cool to watch people like essentially just like blossom and flourish from that one singular point of deciding to work with you as a career coach. So there is massive, massive reward to to, to what you're doing. But at the same time, there's also a lot of, you know, mental investment and, and investment from an energy perspective that, again, you know, I am totally happy to invest, but wasn't necessarily expecting when I got into the game at first. I think there's one of the things we do internally on in our team is we often, yeah, 3x or 5x any task. We're like, okay, if this thing's going to take an hour, we're going to allot three hours for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very much the same thing of, this is going to take more time and more effort than, than you think. But if you're willing to put in the consistent work, which is different than intensity, and I, I heard a funny story from Simon Sinek about it. He's like, you know, you don't just brush your teeth for two hours every month. You do it for two minutes every day, twice a day, right? You do the consistency on, along the way. So if you're ready to put in the consistency, the effort on days where you don't even feel like doing it, because I know there are days where I'm like, I got to get on a coaching call today. I got to be good and bright and shiny. All right, let's go. And there's some days where you don't, but you know, this week had the same, very much confirming everything you just said. I 
had one client this week, she got a job that was not posted on any job board that she got through the email reach out strategies by jumping on calls with people and doing the same exact thing that I, in my opinion, you brilliantly put out on both Instagram, LinkedIn. I think you're the best person in this whole space who talks about that, of course. And uh, honestly, it needs to be broadcast every place. But <laughs> that we've been working together for a while and just putting in that consistent, consistent effort, showing up you yourself, because I'm wanting the, the, I want my client to do the same thing. I often talk about um, on this podcast and for a lot of our listeners that coaching is really a trust and results business. They've got to put that trust into you that you, they believe that they, that you can get them the results. And then you're also able, like, I'm promising that I'm going to not necessarily going to get you these results, but I'm going to get you on the road to get these results. And here's what I know what works now. It's just a time and effort and all and an energy game, everything else like that. Mm-hmm. And 100%. yeah, and it, it's really, really rewarding. But I'm curious for you on those days where, you know, where it was the hardest, was there something you know, we talked about going back to the why we talked about looking at people who, you know, are really good at the space. Was there something that you did of like, all right, Austin, I'm like, whew, I'm not feeling that great, but here's something I'm going to remind myself. Here's something that I'm going to do. What did that look like for you? I think it just came down to thinking about, you know, who's on the other side of the call, right? Like, you know, this person came to me for help with everything we just talked about. And so it doesn't really matter how I feel. You know, we all have bad days. We all have good days. But this person is, you know, relying on me to help them make this happen. So that usually was enough for me, but I would also say that, you you know, and one of the benefits of having the full-time job as well is I would give myself breaks. So if, if I felt like I got overloaded, you know, late last year from October, the end of October, so basically November, December, I just decided to take off. So I said, I'm not taking on any more new clients. And I'm going to let the current clients I have, like, we'll play itself out and we'll see what happens. And I just took like two full months off. And it was great because I could come back in January, super refreshed and recharged. And then I did the same thing this summer. So I just took the whole summer off because it had just been really taxing. And I, I felt like I couldn't bring 100% to, the, to anybody else that would have come on if I accepted them. And I also wanted to, you know, you talk about sacrifices. I wanted to invest in some other projects that I'd been putting off because I'd been doing coaching. So I said, well, I'll take the summer off and I will, my wife and I went down to the Jersey shore. Her her family's house was empty there. So we spent the summer there and I really got to relax and enjoy and take some time for myself, which at the end of the day, like that's a huge part of the battle as well. Cause you know, burnout is a real thing. I think, especially with entrepreneurs, a lot of us, mm-hmm. many people don't talk about it, but there's a lot of ups and downs and stress and anxiety that comes with starting your own business in any capacity. And so I would just say like, it's important to understand your limits and it's important to understand, you know, what you can take on. And, you know, when you start feeling like you can't give that hundred percent and this goes back to, you know, again, not thinking about where that next dollar is coming from. If you know, like, Hey, got to put food on the table. It's harder to say no to that next client and your mental health is what suffers. And honestly, maybe even the engagement with that next client suffers a little bit. So I was fortunate to be in a position where I could do that, but setting up your business with that in mind, I know a lot of other career coaches who work full time, who I'm, I'm good friends with, who take the month of August off, or they take, you know, two, you know, or two or three super long vacations, you know, two to three week vacations throughout the year. And they do that just to recharge and take time back for themselves. And I've seen consistently with a lot of the people who perform at a high level, that sort of self-care and that 
time back or time for yourself is a huge part of their success because you can't pour from an empty cup, right? You have to, you know, sort of relax, recharge and refresh yourself. I think you're right. Nobody talks about the burnout enough. But the other thing too, is that you're building this business that you're wanting to build. And so much of, you know, what you said about earlier is, Hey, you know, I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to create my own thing. And I want to create the own th- my own thing that I want instead of me being a slave to it or me feeling like I'm, it's driving me instead of I'm, I'm driving it. And I think so much of what I'm taking from this conversation, but one thing that I think you do incredibly, incredibly well that can be really valuable for everybody listening today is setting up your life and your business in the way that you want. And it doesn't, like we mentioned, doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, but I think having the focused approach that you've had and really be able to come from that perspective and, and making this your own is something that I think is incredibly valuable, valuable to me first, but incredibly valuable to everybody here today. So first, thanks for that. And my last questions for you is, if you had to go back you know, three, maybe three months from now, or maybe even at the beginning in starting your business and becoming a coach, what would you do? What would you say? What would, be, what would that look like if you had to go back that time and kind of everything you know now and starting back over? Yeah. So if we wipe the slate clean and I had nothing, I think what I would do is first, I would just start getting on as many calls with job seekers as I could. So I would, and you know, if, I, if I'm working full time and let's say I have, um, you know, maybe we set up a realistic scenario. So I'm working full time, let's say 40 hours a week, nine to five. And I maybe am willing to, or can, let's say, add work two hours a day on my business. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend one of those hours every weekday booking calls with potential job seekers and, or job seekers uh, who are actual job seekers. And I'm just (laughs) going to talk to them and I'm going to ask them stuff like, you know, what, what's your biggest challenge? You know, what's your biggest frustration with this process? Why do you feel like these things are frustrating? And where have you seen success? What's worked for you? If you were going to hire a coach, what would you want them to help you on? You know, if you hired a coach and fast forwarded 12 months, what would success look like for you? I would just try to talk to as many of them as I could. I would, I would, you know, to your point, Phil, I would make it like brushing my teeth. I'm talking to one, two people every day after work. Not and while you're brushing morning. your teeth, though, right? You would do it separately. I'm kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> at the same time. I mean, unless you wanted to. That's efficient. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And then what I would do with my other hour every day is in the mornings, I would post on LinkedIn and I would take my, basically, all those conversations are a goldmine of potential posts and content ideas. And so what I would do is in talking to those people, I would try to take away two things. I would take away one what what language are these people using to describe their problems and how can I package up and create services to help them? But then two, how can I create content that also answers these questions or solves these needs or adds, you know, my perspective? And then I would, you know, use the morning, use my hour to draft up one post and every day and, and post it. So right now, LinkedIn is in a really interesting place because it's essentially the only LinkedIn and TikTok, I would say, are the only two platforms where the organic reach is, is insane. And that used to be the case with other social media platforms. And so we've sort of seen this happen before and we can understand what's coming. But, you know, Facebook back in 2010 or whatever it was, had this crazy reach. And what happens is these social media platforms, 
work to, they do that on purpose because they hook us in, right? They allow you to reach millions of people super easily and then you stay on the platform. And then once enough people are on the platform, that's when the restrictions and the the restraints come in place. And so if you want to go start something on Facebook, it's going to be a little harder. Same with Instagram as well. The organic reach is really, really constrained. And so for me, I, I waited to build a business somewhere or an audience somewhere else before going to Instagram. It's like the old investing adage, you know, if you want to make a small fortune in the market, start with a large one. It's kind of the same thing on Instagram, but LinkedIn is really interesting because the organic reach is massive. It's just geared towards growth. And I see so many people, they post once and it's their first post and it gets like 400 likes and like 60,000 views. And I think that's the power that the platform can have. And again, that is not always going to be the case with the first post or the first 10 posts. But what I would say is that the potential is there. And so what you do is every night you talk to a new job seeker, every morning you post on LinkedIn, and then you refine your process. So you think about how you can word your post better or hook people in better or write more compelling content for every day that you post in the morning. And then in the evening, you use those conversations with job seekers to get a better sense of you know, their needs and where the content is coming from. And then at a certain point, you'll have built this audience on LinkedIn. And what I might do is swap out that hour in the evening. Maybe I go back to one call or zero calls. And then I start engaging with other people on the platform on LinkedIn. I start commenting on their posts. You know, I start, you know, building relationships. And the reason I say this is because, you know, I could, you could grow this pretty large following on LinkedIn. You could start monetizing it through coaching and then you can go take care of everything else. Then you can go redesign the super fancy website. You can go, you know, create the course. You can go invest in the other stuff that costs money. You can hire an assistant, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. But the quickest path to monetization, in my opinion, is go where the reach is largest. There's already an audience on LinkedIn. They facilitate the reach for you. It's the easiest place to get in front of people right now as of this recording. So that's probably what I would do. And I would just keep that up. I would make a commitment. Like I'm going to show up every single day on LinkedIn. I'm going to make a post every single weekday, at least for, you know, six months. And I'm going to see what happens. You can start smaller if you want, but I think if you do that, you would have a pretty hard time not getting to a good place where you should have a steady flow of people who are asking you for advice and could potentially turn into clients. Mm-hmm. Again, another mic drop moment. It just, there's just another one that keeps coming. But I, one of the biggest things, so again, coming back to really some of the biggest things I think for our listeners to take away is that this path to mastery is that it takes consistent, it takes little bits over time. But, you know, so much of what I'm taking from this conversation is really day to day, what are the nuts and bolts of what it actually takes to be successful, build an audience and really build the coaching business or whatever business that you're looking to build. And it's not by starting off and big and doing all these big investments in places. It's these methodical steps along the way. And then if you build your life to have failures or that you have cushions along the way or making sure that you can really devote the time and mental space to this from you know, not being burnt out from all these kinds of things, that keeping that consistent work and commitment to mastery and knowing your why, that all these things will come. I think so, that's a great, great summary, yeah. I was tying up on a bow and <laughs> anyways, but in saying that, thank you so much for coming on here. Like I said, I've been following you for a while and I super appreciate all, everything you put out on there. But one thing I wanted to mention before we sign off here too is that you also donate 2% of your gross profits to three charity organizations. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's just a part of you know, paying it forward. Those initiatives are really big for me. 
And I think that, you know, a lot of them are centered around either the, the climate, which is important to me, mental health, which is also important to me. You know, we touched a little bit about the, on the anxiety piece, but that's something that I have, you know, dealt with for a very long time and it's only ramped up with starting a business. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. coping with that is something that I deal with every day and then working on, but also, you know, enabling, you know, other people to get the help that they need is, is huge because it's not easy to get help for your mental health in today's world. And then just providing opportunities for, you know, people who don't necessarily have the same resources that I did. Those are the three focal areas of those donations. And I think that part of creating a business is making an impact. And some of that impact is, you know, career wise, but also, you know, it's, it's great to be able to make an impact in other areas that you care about that don't necessarily like 100% align with your business. So that's something that we've done since the beginning, since the first dollar. And it's something that's really, you know, meaningful to me. So yeah, I, I really appreciate you noticing not everybody finds that one. So thanks, Philip. Of course. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing all these insights with our audience. But before I let you go, where, where can people find you or how can people get connected with you? For sure. The two easiest places are, uh, or I guess three easiest places are LinkedIn, number one. You know, feel free to connect with me on there. If you do, just drop a personal message, add a note, and just mention the podcast so I can pick you out of the crowd. But then the website, cultivatedculture.com, and then Instagram, we just got started on. It's at cultivated.culture. Any of those places are all fair game. I spend a lot of time on all three of the platforms. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to connecting. And if anybody has any questions or anything else about, you know, my journey and how it, how it can help them, feel free to fire away. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the How to Become a Career Coach podcast today. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode. hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.